0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.
1: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW for Saturday, May 9th, Mother's Day tomorrow. I'm Manny Bazunas filling in for Sterling Fox, and today, in our second hour, we'll introduce you to the king, the king of floors, Brad Newell. Brad's been heading the family biz for years, but more recently has added a charity organization to his passions that is very timely today, that charity helping men deal with depression. How do you go from flooring to feeling the ravages of depression? Brad has some very interesting insights into that pandemic among men. In our first hour, the virus has had a lot of us wondering when we'll get back to the way it was. Most observers suggest we will never get back to that normal. And that raises the question of how we prepare our lives and those of our loved ones for the future when it comes to estate planning. So we'll be bringing back Chris Sabat, a lawyer with Macmillan Estate Planning, who will navigate those often murky Matters. But first, here are some of the headlines from the past week on CKNW that caught our attention. The province unveiled its multi phase approach to reopening the economy. On Thursday, health head Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked point blank when fitness centers and recreational facilities might begin operating again. She answered, and I quote I don't see gyms opening in the first or second phase, but if all goes well, possibly in phase three which is anticipated to begin between June and September. And when those facilities do reopen, there will be restrictions galore on the numbers of people at that facility at one time. One of the reasons opening recreation facilities is so tricky is that when the virus first became apparent, one of its original transmissions was associated with some facilities. Vancouver Mayor Stewart said this week he'll be conducting a poll on how Vancouverites feel about opening certain sectors of the economy, including, recreation. He pointed out that if he opens a swimming pool and nobody wants to come, that would be a mistake, at the very least, economically. The mayor hinted outdoor facilities could be the first to reopen since they would generally be safer, but not to expect all facilities to open at once. You'll be able to get a haircut with barbers and beauty salons technically allowed to reopen the middle of this month, but you may have to take a number and get in line. The same reopening schedule for physiotherapy, massage, and chiropractic treatments. Even when these sectors open, there will be all kinds of restrictions in place, including the numbers of people allowed inside. A liquor store in South Vancouver has adopted a new way to keep its customers and staff safe. The store is called Value on Liquor. It's on Southwest Marine Drive, and it has installed a dual camera. One is for regular surveillance, the other, a thermal camera that scans the customer's body temperature. If your body temperature is too high, the camera sends an alert to staff and the customer will be asked to leave the premise. According to the store's manager, we had hundreds of customers over the past week and no one, not one, triggered the alarm. And according to a study from the University of Victoria, warning labels do help people drink less. Bottles with warning labels contributed to a 6.6% drop in sales of those products compared to the sale of bottles without warning labels. There's been a push to have all bottles labeled with warnings, but so far that lobbying effort has not garnered any support among lawmakers. If this pandemic suggested a subtle warning to get your affairs in order, it was for a reason. In the words of yours truly, tomorrow is reserved for no one. Uh, Those words become even more apparent now, and that brings us to bring in Chris Sabat. Always a pleasure to uh, talk about money issues. It's really top of mind, along with uh, the virus situation. Uh, They seem to go hand in hand, and it's always a great idea to get some expert advice on estate planning and assorted other things, so we thought it a good idea to invite back to the show, Chris Sabat, general counsel for McMillan Estate Planning. Uh, no other group in this nation, I think, has the expertise to speak about estate planning, than McMillan, and so to have their uh, or one of their top lawyers uh, with us, I I think is uh, is really important for us to understand some of the things, Chris that uh, are so important today especially with what's going on
2: yes thank you for having me you you know it certainly is uh certainly is a strange time we're talking about you know physical and social distancing and you know that's causing many people concern You, you know on one hand they'd like to to maybe take some steps and start to you know address some of the issues in their estate plan or start to get things in order and just in case something might, might happen, but they're, they're sort of wondering where to, to start. Um, well, you know, let's, let's, it,
1: let's start at the beginning then. What, what should a person do when they uh, get a hold of you folks over at McMillan Estate Planning? What is the first step?
2: Well, you know, I, I always suggest if you don't have it in place, you really need to start by looking at your legal plans. So that's, you know, that's typically your will, your power of attorney, your, your representation agreement. Um, you know, really that's that's a great place to start to to start to have some comfort and some certainty that, you know, things are looked after for you and for your loved ones if you know, if something should should happen. Um, you know, typically in a time like this, you know, once we sort of have that core legal plan in place, that's where we really turn to look at, you know, asset protection, look for opportunities to increase your wealth and um you know, and, and hand in hand with that, also to minimize taxation because you know what I see coming out of all of this is, you know, ultimately a situation where interest rates are going to be pretty darn close to zero, and so that means at some point you're going to have to get back into the market if you left, or or look at investing in the market in ways that you otherwise might not have, um, to, just to continue to to grow your personal wealth and to have a revenue stream to live on. And uh, the government's going to need to collect taxes, and so if you if you can minimize your taxation that's going to help you and your family during your lifetime.
1: Well, does that go hand in hand with having a will to prevent the government from getting its mitts on some of your estate?
2: Uh, in a sense, yeah, that, that that's certainly the case. I mean, a will isn't really a tax plan. You know, what a will does for you at the end of the day is it decides who's going to manage your estate and and who's going to receive your assets. But you certainly can make errors, uh, that can impose taxation earlier than otherwise would have happened. You know, the sort of situation where, um, you know, rather than having assets roll over to your spouse on a tax-free basis, you might suddenly trigger taxation. And that means your spouse, you know, has less to live on during, during their lifetime. And so, you know, it's one of those areas where a lot of, a lot of folks probably well-meaning have created things like online apps and tools to, to help folks create a will but what they don't really do is is kind of safeguard your assets and make sure that you're not triggering some sort of taxation at a point in time when when it's when it's not necessary.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, the government takes a. Uh a lot of our hard-earned money while we're alive. They sure like to get their, you know, their kick at the cat when we're when we're gone. I've just never been able to figure that out. Like, didn't you get enough blood out of this stone, Chris Sabat, general counsel for MacMillan Estate Planning? Chris, uh, you got a couple of virtual seminars coming up May fourteenth and May twenty-sixth. I encourage our listeners to go to your website macmillan dot to register MacMillan Estate Planning. Dot com. Again, all your questions answered on these virtual seminars, uh, write down the date or make a note somehow, May 14th and May 26th. You mentioned, uh, Chris, a representation agreement along with a will and a power of attorney. These are different documents. My understanding is a representation agreement deals with uh, family members who may be ill.
2: That's, that's correct. So a representation agreement is basically what you put in place to allow others to make decisions on your behalf if you're unable. So it's, it is, you know, typically things that are not of a financial nature, things like where you might live if you lose capacity, who you might associate with, you know, medical decisions, end-of-life decisions, those, those sorts of things. And, you know, from my perspective, the real value is that you put down your wishes in sort of black and white, and you help to remove that uncertainty that your your family might feel when it's sort of well, Jesus, is this is this really what mom or dad wanted? Um, you know, helps to eliminate debate between the children. Um, I, I think it's something that really kind of relieves uh, or provides a bit of, of relief as far as the the burden associated with making decisions for you know for. For a
1: family member, Well, in my own personal situation, Chris, and I know you've seen it more often than not, uh, being general counsel for Macmillan Estate Planning, uh, while you're talking to a family member, in my case, uh, my mother, you know, she has expressed uh, certain things that want to happen at end of life, and she says it with a relatively healthy mind today. Uh, it's easy when we're healthy to say, well, yeah, don't, you know, pull the plug. Don't let me suffer and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes down to the actual crunch time, is that really what the person wanted, even though they said that's what they wanted 10 years ago?
2: Well, and that's, you know, that's why I think it's important that we keep these documents up to date, right? Because there's. There's even a bit of hesitation in relation to using a representation that's, you know, maybe a decade decade old. People change over time, their thoughts and their philosophies change over time as kind of life goes on. And, you know, if it's not a current recent document, you know, the children may feel conflicted when they have to make those decisions on, on behalf of someone.
1: When we talk about these documents, uh, Chris, has it been your experience that, you uh one person should be calling the shots. Uh, otherwise, there could be, you know, some family arguments, even though it's written on a piece of paper.
2: You know, that's that's a, a subject that we spend a lot of time talking about. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to sort of family dynamics, because you can look at it from one of two ways. Yes, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to have one person as a decision maker, but you know at the end of the day the question also comes up well you know how will the other children or the other family members feel if they're not involved in that process and so you know what we find is that there's no sort of one simple solution that works for every family you have to you have to understand the the personalities that are involved and you know the strengths and and weaknesses of of the different family members you know if i if i just sort of draw an analogy to a situation that comes up with the power of attorney which is where you appoint someone to manage your finances, you know, if your son's an accountant and your daughter's a medical professional, it might make a lot of sense to have the accountant in that role. Um, but having said that, if, you know, if your daughter's going to, to feel offended or maybe there's a lack of, of, you know, maybe the two children don't necessarily get along as well as, as one might hope, you know, the considerations might change a bit.
1: Chris Abbott joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Manny Buzunas filling in for Sterling Fox, Chris's general counsel for Macmillan Estate Planning, which, by the way, uh, having a couple of virtual seminars that... I think would be very beneficial if, uh, if you're a little confused uh, what the future holds in terms of your financial planning, your estate, your will, your power of attorney, a representation agreement, and lots more that we're going to cover in just a moment. Uh, McMillan Estate. Dot com is the website you want to go to, macmillanestate.com, and sign up for their virtual uh, seminars May 14th and May 26th. There is no charge, of course. You get to talk to some of the real experts in this field. And, I mean, if you're home anyway <laughs> and you're on the computer anyway, uh, might be a good idea to take advantage of uh, their expertise. Macmillanestate.com for their virtual seminars coming up May 14th and May 26th. Uh, Chris, uh, let's review again uh, quickly before we uh, venture down uh, some of the opportunities that people might be able to take advantage of uh, during this uh, crisis. Uh, The difference between a power of attorney, a representation agreement, and a will. Uh, These are three separate uh, and very different documents. But when it comes to power of attorney, how do we choose one? Is it generally a family member? Uh, Is it a... Is it a trusted friend? I mean, we don't know what the future holds for that trusted friend. So how do you determine, uh, in terms of longevity, a power of attorney
2: person? Well, that's, you know, that's a great question. The the place you have to start is the individual that you appoint as your representative. It has to be somebody that you, you trust implicitly. You know, if you really just think about the situation, you've lost capacity and someone else is managing your assets. So, you know, first of all, they have to, you know, they have to be honest. They have to have integrity. And depending on the makeup of, of your assets, you know, if you have a business or a complicated investment portfolio, they have to have the skill set to, to, to actually manage that. So what we typically do is we look for, you know, what we would consider to be sort of the first representative. And then we talk about, you know, what what happens if that individual's either unwilling or unable to, to act in the future. And we have to be able to successfully transition that role to a backup and, you know, maybe in some cases even to to a second backup. So, um, it, you know, that it's, it's a really important consideration to just make sure that we've got the right people that can take on that role.
1: Well, uh, you and your folks over at McMillan Estate Planning will walk people through that process. Uh, you see it uh, each and every day, all day. Chris Sabat, General Counsel. I.E. Lawyer for Macmillan Estate Planning, estate planning.com macmillanestateplanning, uh, uh, There are so many downers uh, related to uh, this virus situation, Chris, um, not the least of which is the current volatility in the market. Uh, when we were chatting earlier, you alluded to some of the silver linings that a bear market affords. First of all, why don't you describe what a bear market is for those uninitiated, and what are those silver linings?
2: Well, you know, a bear market at the end of the day is is an opportunity from my perspective. You know, when we're looking at, at the silver linings, um, a lot of it has to do with perspective. You know, one of the things that we see, or that we saw in 2008, was an opportunity for leveraged investing. And so, you know, really what you're doing at the end of the day is you're using the institution's capital to enter into the market and to, to hopefully um, recover what you may have already lost or to increase the overall value of your estate. And, and, of course, the greater the value of the capital that you have at work in the market for you, the greater the compounded returns and so that's you know that's one of the opportunities that we see right now in the you know in the current moment and certainly a lot of the families that we work with are, are taking advantage of that you know it, it was very successful in 2008 and i'm not going to suggest that you know the situation is the exact same but we do see a, a lot of uh, a lot of analogies a lot of similarities
1: well, when we come back, Chris, I want to ask you about something else that tweaked my interest, and I I, I don't know too much about it, and that's one of the reasons uh, we're having you on to explain to all of us uninitiated. It's called an estate freeze, estate freezes, and uh, Chris is going to uh, talk to us about that when we come back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. Manny Bazoon is filling in for... Sterling Fox this weekend, Chris Sabat, our guest, General Counsel for Macmillan Estate Planning, which is having a couple of virtual seminars coming up, May 14th and May 26th. May 14th and May 26th, uh, each starts at 5.30 Pacific time. That's our time, of course. Macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com to register. I think it'd be a good idea to mark down these two dates, May 14th and May 26th. 5 30 in the afternoon, a virtual seminar with the experts from McMillan Estate Planning.com. McMillan Estate Planning.com is the website to register. Of course, there is no fee for those seminars, just a whole lot of value and some of the benefits of getting involved with Macmillan Estate uh, planning. So, Chris, we were talking before the break. There was um, there was a uh, there are a couple of words in some of the notes I made uh, prior to coming in today, and one of them is estate freezes. I do not think I've heard uh, those two words put together, uh, the freezing of an estate. Is that what that is?
2: That's absolutely what it is from a, from a taxation perspective. So it, it may help if I just give you a, a bit of background. You know, in, in Canada, we don't have an estate tax like we see in many countries, but when we pass away, there is a deemed disposition. And so, what that means is that unless you're in a situation where you're able to roll over a, an asset tax-free to a beneficiary, which is, you know, typically a spouse, you either end up paying capital gains, or the asset is taxed as income. And for most, that taxation will happen in the maximum tax bracket, regardless of the tax bracket that you were in before you you passed away. And so, what this does is it it dramatically impacts the value of your estate. Now, if you're a a business owner, in particular, if you own a significant real estate uh, portfolio, if you have a significant investment portfolio, what we may be able to do in, in your circumstances is what's called an estate freeze. And really what we're doing is locking in the current value and the tax liability of capital property. And then what we're able to do is as that value increases in the future, we're actually able to push value to your children without taxation on your passing. And so really what we're doing is minimizing tax and increasing the value of, of your assets in your estate that will ultimately be received by your children or, you know, whatever cause you might happen to to favor. So it's very, very valuable from an estate planning perspective. You know, ultimately at the end of the day for every dollar and capital gains you can, you can save, you increase your your estate value
1: by about 25%. Well, I've always believed, uh, Chris, I'm sure you do too, that that dollar is uh, worth more in my pocket than anybody else's, least of which a government entity, a state freezes. Uh, one of the topics that you can ask a little bit more about, when uh, Chris and his colleagues at McMillan Estate uh, Planning do their virtual seminars, two more coming up, they're so popular. Uh, you know, everybody is, is online today more and more, obviously, with uh, home isolation McMillan Estate, uh, kind enough to put up a couple of virtual seminars May 14th and May 26th. Uh, They begin at 5.30 in the afternoon. You could register for these at macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com. There is no charge. Obviously, we have been talking a little bit about opportunities in a bear market for investors. Um, Chris, from your vantage point, at McMillan Estate Planning, uh, give us a couple more opportunities for investors in this particular stock market.
2: Sure. So, you know, I think one of the things that you really need to think about is the asset value that you either have in the market or that you might put to work in the market in the future. It's important to make sure that we have some, some stability and some way to help protect that initial capital. So there's alternatives that are available to investors that, that are actually quite, quite frequently utilized by very high net worth individuals. And what it allows them to do is, you know, as an example, put a million dollars into the market and they get what's called a, a capital guarantee or a principal guarantee. So what the institutions will do is they'll guarantee that, you know, if you should happen to pass away or on the maturity date of that investment, if the market value is less than that million dollars, They'll give you back your million dollars and of course as that million dollars grows in value you're able to lock in that additional growth at various points in time so if the asset base grows from a million to say a million two a million five you can lock in that new floor and then if something should happen where you pass away and the market's low or lower than that that locked in value you're going to receive the check for that locked in value or your estate will and so really, what we're doing here is providing an opportunity for you to be in the market, have your capital working for you. but at the end of the day you have some certainty that when you need that money when it, when the investment in, sorry when the investment matures or if you should happen to pass away, those funds are going to be there for your spouse or for your children or whoever you'd like to benefit. And one of the other benefits, particularly in British Columbia associated with this this opportunity is that you're able to bypass probate which immediately there saves approximately 1.5% as far as the, the probate fee that would, would typically be associated with, um, with an individual passing and, and having to have their will probated through the courts. Well, I was
1: always of the understanding that if you had a properly constructed will, uh, you didn't have to pay a probate fee. I guess I'm mistaken. But
2: absolutely. Unfortunately, I wish it was that that way but uh, typically the way that it works if an estate plan is done well when the first spouse passes away there's no need to probate but it's not uncommon when the second spouse passes away to have to probate the will and um, you know that's in part because financial institutions will freeze your accounts it's in part because you need to transfer real property a home or a cabin something like that through um, through land titles um, ultimately, when the second spouse passes, it's, it's quite common to see the probate of a will.
1: With uh, more and more people working out of the home and more and more of our institutions frozen, I guess, if for lack of a better word, Chris, how long now does it take for a will to go through probate? I mean, are these the types of uh, situations where everything is freezing until we unfreeze this virus?
2: I would say right now we're seeing delays, not necessarily frozen. Um, The the duration of time that's required to probate depends on where you live when you pass away. So in Vancouver, for example, you know, maybe it would take six months uh, to have your will probated. In other parts of British Columbia, just based on the workload at the courthouse, it it might be much quicker. Um, So it it varies in part on where you live and what what. Court district, your will will be uh, will be probated, um, but we certainly are seeing delays in a, in a time like this. Just just because um, everyone's under stress and things aren't as efficient as they were pre COVID nineteen.
1: You know, there are so many stories of people who think they've uh, written in stone their final wishes uh, in a will, and then along comes that long lost cousin who said, you know, I was really good to hear, Dad, when we were much younger, and I think I deserve to be in this will. I recall a wills and estate lawyer once telling me, Chris, that uh, uh, the, a lot of the work that is put into a will is not only designating who is going to get uh, some of the assets outlined in the will, it's how to keep people out. And can you keep people out of a will?
2: Now, that's a great question you know, we've all heard heard some of the horror stories about, about people fighting over an estate. And, you know, from my perspective, that's that's one of the key reasons to actually start estate planning. Um, you know, we don't want our legacy to be, you know, disruption to family harmony. Um, so to, to answer your question, you know, yes, absolutely. We can, generally speaking, write people out of the will. There, there's certainly going to be exceptions. You know, if you have a, a child who, you know, perhaps who's disabled or young children. You know, chances are you're not going to be able to write them out of the will. But as a general proposition, the courts still respect, you know, your right to uh, to decide who will receive and and how much of your assets. But you know, the the key is making sure that your wishes are clearly clearly expressed through your will. Well, let's uh, let's
1: use a an example. Uh, Chris, You're a a lawyer with Macmillan Estate Planning. I walk in. I've got two sons. I'm preparing a will. Son number one is uh, going to be a lawyer himself at some point and for his entire life has been very productive and uh, very well disciplined. Son number two, however, uh, is basically a no-good Nick who uh, lounges around the basement couch uh, 24-7, never once had a job, and the foreseeable future never will have a job. I want to include son number one because son number one is going to do something with his life. Son number two, I've just given up hope. Uh, what do you tell, um, you know, that grieving parent in that situation what to do?
2: Well, I think the first question is, you know, why is it that you, you don't want to include the... Uh, sort of the black sheep of the family. And sometimes the, the yeah, fear the, is the, actually... the deadbeat. The de- <laughs> you can say it is Okay, the deadbeat. So <laughs> yeah. some, you know, and sometimes the fear is, well, look, if I, as much as I would like to leave something, I'm afraid that if I did, it's just going to be wasted. And so through things like trust planning, we can put controls in place to make sure that you know, that, that type of situation doesn't happen. Now, if you're just at the point where you've said, look, it, I've been estranged from, from my son for, for a decade they're the black sheep of the family and I don't want to recognize them in the will in any way, then absolutely uh, they can not be included in the will. But the key is that you express why, right? Because what we don't want is for the black sheep to come along and say, look, uh, clearly the lawyer made a mistake or maybe my mother or my father weren't of full capacity and they just inadvertently forgot me. So, hey, judge, I'd like a share of this estate. That's you know, it's where you have these contentious issues, that's where you need to, to you know, sort of address them head on. And if you have a real concern that black sheep is going to come along and challenge your will, there are techniques in estate planning where we can basically pre-administer your estate prior to you passing, and there's no will to ever go before the court, and there's no opportunity for black sheep to, to sort of step up and, and assert that they are entitled to part of the estate. And and that's through trust planning. We, we we are often involved with families where they want to make sure that their desires, whether it's, you know, not including a child or leaving the vast majority of their estate to charity or or some other sort of estate plan design, they want those wishes to be respected. And we, we really at that point, while there is a will, it's not being relied on.
1: Well, that's uh, you know that's that's an answer that I think everybody has to ask themselves uh, for, and that is uh, who do I live? How do I leave? Uh, what I've worked for? And if there is, as Chris points out, a black sheep, I prefer to use the word deadbeat in the family that you don't want to any of your estate to go to, there are provisions that uh, these professionals can put into your estate plan. Chris Sabat, general counsel for Macmillan estate planning, uh, joining us on Vancouver consumer in the last couple of minutes, uh, Chris, that we've got um, in light of current recommendations uh, surrounding physical distancing. How can people practically uh, get their estate planning sorted out?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Y- you know, Generally speaking, we find that I'm going to say ninety to ninety five percent of the estate plan can be done without ever having to step into our office and you know in a in a sense Macmillan is fortunate fortunate because over the years we've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know a lot of uh, families that have assets in other jurisdictions and so generally speaking, you know over the last decade. A lot of our clients are traveling and just unavailable to meet with us in person to do their estate plan. So, you know, really the fortunate benefit of that was that we developed a lot of the processes and the tools and techniques that we need to put in place an estate plan without, you know, without having to spend a lot of time in our office. So in a time like this, when people are concerned about social distancing, uh, we have individuals in, in society that are you know at higher risk than others. Uh, absolutely, we can we can get to work and get your estate plan perfected with with very little contact.
1: In the uh, one minute or less that we've got, uh, Chris, I want to uh, get you to review exactly what's coming up on the virtual seminars outlined by uh, McMillan Estate May fourteenth and May twenty sixth. Uh, general topics du jour.
2: Well, absolutely, we're going to talk about legal planning. So that's you know your will, power of attorney. And uh, representation agreement. We'll talk about utilizing trust planning in order to, you know, perhaps manage issues around the deadbeat, as 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 you refer to them <laughs> as. And we're going to look at ways to minimize tax, and we're going to look at ways to increase asset value. And uh, I expect it'll be, you know, a relatively informative evening. And and you know, hopefully everyone enjoys the presentation. Uh, typically, what we do is we offer free consultations. For uh, you know, for everyone, including those individuals that attend the seminar, and so certainly, if any of the listeners would like to take advantage of that opportunity, we'd be happy to uh, happy to facilitate.
1: Well, you register for these virtual seminars. There are actually two of them, uh, May fourteenth. And May 26th, the beginning at five thirty in the afternoon. Register, no charge, of course, Macmillan Estate.com. Macmillan Estate.com. Chris Sabbath, General Counsel for mcmillan Estate Planning. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. Now, time for Ask Andrew, Andrew Ferrara, Executive Producer of Vancouver Consumer. Long weekend approaching. Parks, Andrew Parks.
0: Yep. Yeah. They're going to be open, some of them only for day use. Uh, so earlier this week, the province announced that provincial parks are going to start to open up only for day use to no camping yet. Uh, they were originally wanted to open them up uh, at the end of April, but that deadline got pushed back a little bit. So like you said, May 2, 4th coming up, May long, May run, Victoria Day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, if you're going to plan on going out to a park, that's all fine and dandy. However, you know, provincial authorities are saying, you know, don't go too far out of your way. You know, make sure you, even if you're out there, you keep a distance from anyone who's in your party. Uh, you keep a distance from other people as well uh, as well. Try to limit your stopovers on the way over as well because you just never really know. Uh, but I do know that for a lot of people, you know, May, you know, Victoria Day, May 24, etc. Is, you know, the kickoff to summer. It's the beginning of, you know, the fun warm months. And, you know, here in Vancouver, we need to take advantage of the fun warm months because I don't know how maybe we get two of them if we're lucky. So I if you I, all I'm going to say is you know exercise caution when you're going out there because it's nice to know that you know some of your provincial parks are going to be open for days you can go out there you can relax with friends you can you know I don't know what what are the fun things that people do camping nowadays all I all I ever did was read <laughs> that's all <laughs> well, I ever did
1: well I don't think it's a whole lot different than visiting a, a, a local beach here in town uh, you know keep your distance uh, no more than six people in a wide circle, and I don't see it being much different in the park situation.
0: Yeah, and uh, Parks Canada nationally, uh, there's also an extended closure on national parks until the end of the month, May here. So, you know, national parks are still off limits, but if you're, you know, heading out to a provincial park, you know, you're free to go to some of them if they're open. They're not all going to be open, and the list hasn't been made public. But hopefully, as time goes on, uh, we're going to see more and more of these open up, and it's all part of the government's reopening plan uh, for BC. Uh, if we're all good children and we are able to keep our transmission rates down, and we're able to, you know, prove that we can keep this under control, uh, more stuff will open up for us. We'll be able to do more things. But for the, you know, for the interim, you know, maybe take your lick if you usually go camping on May long. You know, just grin and bear it we're all in it together (laughs) there
1: you go you know uh these openings and closures are changing by the moment so we just urge you to stay close to cknw website we've got all the details we got the details as as they unfold appreciate that thank you andrew coming up in just a moment brad newell the king of floors his website kingoffloors.com you know brad Uh, from the commercials that you hear on CKNW. Uh, But what you might not know is what Brad and his family, and this has been a family-run business for decades, Brad has thrown his huge amount of resource and personal time behind a charitable organization that maybe you haven't heard of, but it's probably time to raise the awareness on men and depression and Uh, Brad is uh, personally and intimately involved with this organization coming from a personal perspective.
0: The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.